One week season fam, La Familia, welcome back. Today is Thursday, December 21st. You're probably watching this on Friday the 22nd or this weekend. Merry Christmas to you all. Mike Johnson here, M. Johnson 86, excited for week 16. We only have three weeks left in the NFL season. Wild to think about, feels like we just were getting started uh, watching that Chiefs-Lions opening night game uh, feels like it was just yesterday, but, you know, the fall flies quickly. Today is technically the first day of winter, um, so winter is coming. Winter is here, and here with winter to bring good tidings. Maximus, how are we doing today? Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, Mike, and everybody watching Another small slate this week, which I prefer. So uh, interesting, only nine games. So it'll be uh, interesting to see uh, how that uh, shapes up. Yeah, my wife is currently in the process of writing a strongly worded letter uh, to Mr. Roger Goodell um, <laughs> regarding the NFL scheduling for this weekend with, uh, um, with you know, the with Christmas – Eve and Christmas falling on a Sunday, Monday. Um, I know it happened a couple of years, like two or three, four years ago, maybe. Um, and they kind of went the other way with it. I think they had like a big uh, slate on the 23rd. And then they just had like two or three games on Christmas Eve. Um, but this year they just said, uh, your families belong to us now. Uh, <laughs> and uh, two games on on Saturday, uh, full slate, nine games on Sunday, plus uh, actually 10 games on Sunday if you include the Sunday night game, um, and then a full three-game slate on Monday, which we will have content uh, for every slate on one-week season, of course. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, the result is a nine-game slate, which, like you said, I, I kind of I like those little bit smaller slates. Um, I think it becomes – um, it naturally condenses the player pool, which is something we always talk about trying to do. So it makes that a little bit easier. Uh, and, you know, it, something JM talks about a lot is it it forces plays. Sometimes it'll force chalky plays to be even chalkier than they should be. Um, you know, it'll push some plays into that, like, a little bit higher ownership range. Um you know, when you have 12, 13 games on a slate, uh, it kind of saves the field from itself in some cases where, um, you know, ownership stays spread out enough. Uh, but you can it just creates a lot more opportunities for leverage, I feel like, um, on these like nine, 10 game slates. Yeah. And what's already kind of concentrated, you can focus on being even more concentrated uh, mm -hmm. in some ways and kind of you know, maybe inherently feel more confident what you uh, finally land on as you're doing your your final building. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, whichever way you go with it, you can lean even harder into it. Like if there's a play who's going to have higher ownership, but you're really, really feeling strong about it, you can take that hard stance and there's less 
there's less competition or less other pieces to where it's like, oh, if I take this strong stand on this one piece on a 13-game slate, say it's at quarterback, well, there's 25 other quarterbacks who have the opportunity to make you really pay for that wrong uh, decision. Whereas, you know, on a slate like this, if there's a quarterback you feel really strongly about, even if he ends up 15, 20% owned, um, you know, that you've got, there's already, I was going through um, the games for my edge write-ups and, you know, there's 18 teams and I think 10 of them uh, are not, will not be starting like the quarterback they intended to start. Um, So, you know, naturally you pretty quickly can kind of whittle things down, um, you know, if, if you, if you start looking at things like that. So, uh, there's, I guess, less competition or less worry about normally if you had 25 other quarterbacks, there might be 18 of them who, you know, have a big ceiling, you know, their ceiling outcome could really bury you. So it's, it's a little less comfortable. Um, so on both ends of it, I think the smaller slates provide a lot of opportunity, uh, you know, to kind of leverage it, um, strong stances both ways. Yeah, you could definitely capitalize on your strategy and, uh, you know, more more angles or, or concentration to separate yourself from the mistakes the field may make on a slate of this size. Uh, if you kind of stick to your guns of your process and your strategy and, you know, the slate's kind of doing some of the work for you, like, like kind of what you said, where you're kind of already in a concentrated mode uh, going into it, so. Right, right. So with that said, we will uh, get into it, get into your practice build for this week. Uh, we are on FanDuel, of course. This week, you're back to the Sunday NFL touchdown, the $65 five-entry max tournament. Looks like it's a $20,000 prize pool this week. Uh, only 349 entries, so a little bit smaller. Uh, but again, um, pays out 84 positions, uh, which is... Uh, if my math serves me right, that's right around 25%, right at 25%. Yeah. Kind of back um, to normal now, which is good. Yeah. And $4,000 the first, $2,000 the second, uh, $1,000 the first. So, you know, relatively uh, even breakdown, you know, if you end up one of those top places, it's not that huge. You know, like that's the one thing on FanDuel is some of their tournaments, it'll be like $100,000 the first and like 15 grand a second where it's like just this ridiculous um, difference. So kind of a flat, flatter payout structure at the top. Uh, you know, and like we've talked about before, uh, you're paying out. It's just a shade under uh, 2x your entry fee um, if you place uh, one of these teams. So um yeah, it's a nice structure. Um, glad to see it is back to you know a more appealing structure this week after last week they kind of futzed with it. Yeah, I don't know what they were doing. Last week was they they lowered the top prize by a thousand. They they put up the amount of entries and then made the percentage of places paid like all the way down to twenty percent. So that was kind of odd. I actually went elsewhere last week. We covered one of the tournaments on the last week's show and I slithered out a small profit uh definitely had some spots where you know not to do the one player off thing but 
one team in particular was basically IU can send a Debo. <laughs> and that's that would have you know that you know right team, the right offense, just the you know, as it is with the Niners, you don't exactly know which one of them, but except for maybe CMC has a pretty solid floor. But between the receivers and the tight end, they kind of like you know trade off, it seems so. Yeah, but, it's uh, just where does that, you know, where does the it's like the defense is eventually going to break and just like, who do they make their mistake against? You know, they left um, Debo wide open on that first touchdown. And then um, he, had, he made a really nice catch uh, on the second one. Um, you know, it's just where do things break? They happen to break there this week. So, and funny enough, where things break usually fluctuate their prices as well, because there was a time when, Ayuk was much more expensive than Debo, and now it's like the other way around uh, yeah. last week. So that's kind of interesting. But, yeah, so we're going to do a quarterback and an offense. We haven't done it all in our show anyway this this uh, season so far. But I figure he's on a heater right now and see, seemingly in a good matchup. We're going to have to wait for information on the other side of the ball. But uh, Baker Mayfield had the greatest game ever in your hometown uh, last week. Uh, you know, career game, but he's kind of been, you know, relatively solid throughout the year. And, and the, the Bucks relatively are concentrated as well in their offense. So in looking at the prices and looking at some of the game matchups, it, it kind of had me fall on uh, Joe Flacco is another strong contender, but uh, that I was kind of playing around with, uh, with a very concentrated target tree that since he's been the quarterback, he's been targeting, but so, yeah, so here we have um, Baker Mayfield double stacked, which basically, especially with FanDuel, if it's not a dual threat, if it's not a, you know, uh, premium, if you will, then you typically you want to look to, especially in offense where you have concentrated targets, you want to look to double stack somebody like Baker. So in this case, I have him with Chris Godwin and Cade Otten at tight end, and then I have a Calvin Ridley uh, bring back for the Jags. I absolutely love Ridley's price this week. And they're dropping like flies in Jacksonville with, on the receiver core. Obviously, no Christian Kirk, probably no Zay Jones. Kind of uncertainty on who that wide receiver two is. I mean, definitely Parker Washington is, you know, he's around. And then you have um, uh, Jamal Agnew. And then you have another guy, like Tom Jones is his name. So I, I Tim, Tim Jones. Jones. So you're kind of getting thin behind Ridley. I think Ridley is a perfect stacking bring back in this situation and his price is great to kind of you know be able to have a balanced team uh so that's kind of the four o'clock show this week is uh maker or mayfield godwin otten bring it back with ridley and then we have a skinny stack of brandon cooks and tyreek hill at the flex spot i think tyreek hill is pretty much the ultimate flex player obviously monitor that he's playing uh, i think he's getting a veteran rest and it seems like the dolphins are just resting all their guys to make sure that they're ready for the cowboys in a big game on sunday but but nevertheless you know got to monitor that and then i have uh as far as the one o'clock players here it just so happens the running back core is that this week uh chuba hubbard uh the con with hubbard would be it's a low scoring point spread a low scoring team total however it is very rare at this time of year that you are going, or you always want to try to identify lead backs that are not splitting 
uh, the backfield, and he definitely falls under one of those amazingly. He has averaged over 20 rushing attempts three weeks in a row, and he actually gets targeted a little bit too. So at 6,400, he kind of fit in. I kind of did the running backs last on this team, kind of started with the quarterback shell, uh, you know, want to get exposure to that Dolphins-Cowboys game that, you know, obviously has the highest uh, point spread and team totals on the slate. But uh, Hubbard, again, being a lead back at this stage in the league, at this stage of the year, and not splitting carries is something if you can get at a value, that's, you know, it's a good fit there. And then uh, conversely, uh, Devin Singletary, who absolutely just went bonkers uh, last week. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like no C.J. Stroud again. So I can definitely see a scenario where Singletary, another one who he's definitely established himself as the lead back in Houston. I think Damian Pierce is becoming more of an afterthought now. But um, And he's another one who is a pass-catching running back. He does run between the tackles some. 6,200, great prices on these running backs, in my opinion. And they kind of fit the mold in uh, filling out the team here to the shell that I created. And then the Jets defense. Uh, on FanDuel, like we've talked about a lot of times this year, great strategy to pay up for defense on FanDuel. The pricing is, lo is looser. But in this case, it kind of it kind of checks. The check mark is, is a double fold with the Jets because, A, they're playing against a bad quarterback. Uh, I, I saw Ron Rivera report that, I guess they're going to start Sam Howell again this week instead of Brissett. If it was actually Brissett, I'd be a little more, because he's actually more of a disciplined quarterback, but with Sam Howell, A, bad quarterback, B, an offense that passes the ball a lot. You're getting the best of both worlds uh, with the Jets' defense, and they are the highest-priced defense on the slate. But as a result of that, I may it, there's a possibility I may lockbox them for my defense that I play period on, on all my teams potentially. Plus that field in New York is so bad. I'm sure there'll be, I'm sure there'll be injuries at some point uh, on that field that everybody complains about. So uh, yeah, they finish, yeah, they finish it out at 5,000. Now, one thing you can do um, in targeting the Bucks offense, there's a couple different ways as always that I like to cover with the pricing if you want to take out Godwin, now Godwin, he, I think he's on the come up. He's been like getting crazy targeted over the last two weeks. He's getting more deep targets than he had earlier in the season. However, if you want to go to the man, Mr. Mike Evans, uh, you could easily do so. You can add him on another team. Remember, this is a five team. If you want to max max out your, uh, your team entries in this contest, uh, you could go with Mike Evans instead of Godwin. And then you would take out Brandon Cooks and Tyreek Hill. And you can target two other players in games that you probably want exposure to. One would be Jordan Addison uh, for the Vikings in that wide receiver spot. And then as maddening as it sounds with Arthur Smith, I'm sorry, Bijan Robinson at $7,100. I mean, at home in a game that Atlanta has to win, you would hope that they would utilize B. John Robinson the way that he should be. He should be, you know, we talked about Singletary and Hubbard as the lead backs for their teams. Well, this guy should be the lead back for Atlanta, but unfortunately it's a, you know, wait and see approach every week. But in this case, he makes sense in the flex spots. 
odds to uh, fill out if you wanted to go with Evans. In this case, it's a one o'clock flex because my shell is four o'clock with the uh, with the Mayfield build. So there's another way to get Evans in. There's also ways you can do Rashad White. Um, you can add him. He's viable, I believe, to double stack um, with Baker and either Otten or Evans or Godwin. Um, I have one here. If you did uh, Mayfield and Rashad White with Godwin, uh, you could actually still get exposure to a Dolphin. You could put uh, Jake Ferguson in the tight end spot, Jalen Waddell as a wide receiver, and that's a great skinny stack for the uh, Dolphins-Cowboys game. Uh, keep the Jets' defense. You would put Josh Downs in the flex spot, uh, especially if Pittman uh, you know, is limited or isn't going to play. Downs would be a candidate to get some some more volume than usual. And then you go up to, um, uh, uh, let me see, you have, uh, instead of Hubbard, I think you would have Rashad White. And then you could go uh, Godwin. And that's that's another way to build, because uh, Rashad White is another lead back, another guy you want to consider, much like Hubbard and Singletary. And then I think that, yeah, I think that works out price-wise. Yep. And then yourself kind of a unique double stack with Baker that a lot of people, you know, don't necessarily think to stack the a running back with the quarterback. But in this case, Rashad White's viable because he's a pass-catching running back and he's the lead back. And then in this case, the Waddle-Ferguson skinny, I love that as well for the uh, exposure to that game. And so there's a couple of different ways you can stack the Bucks uh, this week in a game where you're, you're talking about two pass funnel defenses in the Bucks and the Jags. Now, obviously, monitor the Trevor Lawrence news. If Lawrence doesn't play, probably brings it down a little bit in shootout potential. But if he does play, and it, and it looks like he's kind of in that area of maybe just getting or kind of saving him from the news I've been reading to be ready. Well, it's a concussion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so kind of I don't think he plays. Really? You think so? No. You don't think he plays? Okay. It's a How brain injury. I need to win. Yeah, but it, I mean, when it's a concussion, it's all bets are off. I mean, the Texans needed to win last week and need to win this week, and Stroud is, yeah, Stroud's out. So, yeah, um, that's true. I still like it because uh, Mayfield. Yeah, I think it's fine. It's easier to pass against the Jaguars than to run against them. Yeah, they are. You know, both teams in this. So I have the NFL edge right up for this game. This oh, do you? Okay, great. Yeah, because um, it's a late window, so I always have all the late window games. Um, so yeah, I mean, both of these teams are. Uh, these teams rank fifth and sixth in the NFL um, in opponent pass rate. So you know, opponents are on both sides are are throwing the ball at these teams a lot. Uh, you know, so. I think it's, yeah, it's definitely a situation where, um, you know, obviously for for this game to turn into a big shootout, like, yeah, probably it would be best if you had Trevor Lawrence playing. But, like, it doesn't have to. Um, sometimes you can have, you know, I think um, – CJ Beathard, the backup, he's not great, but I think in a one game sample against the team that's their defense is a little beat up, he can, um, he, you know, he can 
he can keep the ship afloat, uh, but also sometimes like FanDuel is so touchdown heavy. If they struggle to move the ball or they turn the ball over a couple times, it can turn into a situation where the Bucks score a bunch of touchdowns and it's FanDuel where touchdowns are huge. So, um, you know, Rashad White, like you talked about, he's got one of the, I mean, he's a bell cow. He's like the guy there. Love so just by playing Baker and White on the same roster, um, you know, you kind of lock in all those Bucks touchdowns, um, which there's just a lot of value there, right? I mean, they're 15K total. If the Bucks score four touchdowns, you can relatively comfortably say that those two are going to be involved in all of them. Um, you know, and sometimes people get so worried about like, oh, is the – you know, White caught a touchdown last week, you know, which is very possible, but they could score four touchdowns. And if Mayfield throws two even and White runs two, I mean, that still is 20 points just from the touchdowns, uh, which is uh, pretty, pretty valuable. So, um, yeah, I like this build. I like where your head's at with all of it. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, I... I like it too. It just feels comfortable, which you don't ever want to feel too comfortable. But um, as of now, I'm definitely targeting this as at least one or two of my five teams probably will be a, these Mayfield setups. Yeah, and I think it's um, – yeah, I wanted to touch on you – talk, you talked about Bijan um, Robinson. I think – so he is – like, I feel like I'm caping for Arthur Smith here. Um, like last week makes sense. Like the game was, and I talked about this, like I've been on Bijan all year. I didn't play him at all last week because the weather, like that game was just so bad. And you've got, like it was pretty clear to see, you have Desmond Ritter and Bryce Young at quarterback. And the weather was going to be so bad with heavy rain, winds 20 miles an hour. Um, I don't know if you saw like the pictures from the stadium. There was like a hundred people there. Um, So like it made sense that they weren't going to be able to throw. They're going to have to run a lot. Weather wasn't going to be great. And like, just speaking frankly, like the one thing is like Algier is like kind of the steadier guy, like better ball security and whatever. And Bijan actually did have like a very critical fumble. Um, so like not to like cape for Arthur Smith, but it kind of made sense that Bijan wasn't like getting a ton of work and then was kind of justified, frankly, when he did fumble. Um but like looking at this week, like they're playing in a dome, you know, the Colts games have taken off. Uh, and yeah, like, I mean, Arthur Smith is basically on his last leg. I think they have to win out and make the playoffs for him to keep his job. Um, so, you know, I think wheels off. I think Bijan has got to be even someone as arrogant as Arthur Smith has got to see that like, he has to win to keep his job, and Bijan Robinson is the best chance he has at that. Um, so I love that play this week. Um, you know, and love that you brought him up. Um, yeah, and then 
the other thing I wanted to talk about quickly is so oh you had uh Cooks and Tyreek in here. Yeah, that was one of the teams. I was actually the first team. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was putting back is with that initial team. Um, you've got those, you've got the core running backs there, uh, Singletary and Hubbard from the early window. Um, and you've got the Jets defense. The thing I like about that is the way that plays out. Uh, you've got two high volume running backs in the early window. So it gives you a wide range of outcomes in like a good way to get a lot of information from those early games. Um, both of those running backs, they're going to get enough volume where I don't, and they're priced low enough where they're not going to like break you, especially in this tournament. Like they're probably low end outcome is like eight to 10 points, which they're priced low enough where it doesn't kill you. Um, but if like, if one of them scores, you know, if one of them has 15 points and the other one, you know, scores two touchdowns, you look at like Singletary last week. Um, you know, he had 19 points without scoring a touchdown. So like if one of them were to have a two touchdown game um, and drop a 30 pointer, like you're in a great spot there with all that extra salary. Um, same with like the Jets, you know, spending up a little for a lower own defense. Um, and we talk about it a lot on FanDuel, how just the pricing structure makes it a little bit more viable to pay up for those higher priced defenses but they have such a big ceiling, right? Um, you know, you talked about Howell and how, you know, the commanders throw a lot. Howell, he, you know, he got benched mid game last week. Um, you know, this is a very good jets defense. So uh, you could be in a really good spot after the early games and then having Tyreek in that initial build, you know, I think Tyreek's, you know, a great play, but it also, it gives you so much flexibility because um, based on how those early games go, that's a big chunk of salary. So if you, if you decided, you know, based on what happened, if you felt like you needed to, to move around, or if there was some late news or late weather, um, you just have so much flexibility um, that you could play off of. So um, yeah, I really like how you did this build and I like how, I like the options that it gives you um, as far as reacting, you know, and, and we talk, we do talk a lot about late slate on this, but it's, or late swap. Um, and we talked earlier about this smaller, the smaller size of the uh, overall slate, but there's only three late window games and there's six early window games. So um, you, you have two thirds of the information from the slate already in your back pocket. If you want a late swap this week, um, which is kind of nice, you know, you have the more information you have when you make a decision, you know, the, the more optimal you can make based on the tournament you're playing in and, and what you're trying to accomplish. So um yeah I, I i really like uh where you're going with this one i think you're on a good track here and to your point all the three late games are all viable i mean you can easily swap over to justin fields do a do a skinny with dj Moore, uh trey mcbride run back maybe 
I mean, you'd have the, the like you were saying, if you wanted to move around Tyreek Hill's salary, or even if you did the shell of a team on two or three teams, I mean, that gives you two or three different routes you can go maybe based on how the, the early volume did or didn't do. And then the other thing was on the other team with Bijan, what I like about that as well is definitely I see if you're going to do the onesies, definitely put them in games that, you know, look like they're potential games that could explode. Atlanta, any, the Colts, they're always involved in these kind of games. To your point, they're in a dome, they're at home. I think Bijan will definitely be utilized more this week. And then Jordan Addison is a great piece to have in that Viking-Lions game, which it's kind of hard to stack those teams, um, which is why I like the Buck stack here. But at the same time, you're probably going to want somebody from that game with a 47-point game total or spread so far, which I think that's it's definitely the highest in the early window, and I think it may be the second highest on the whole slate, uh, the, the Vikings-Lions. And Addison is, is a great example of somebody you can – at a pretty good price that you can get exposure to that game if you, you know, for your one or two or three onesies that are not correlated with, you know, the correlation that I tried to create with the rest of the team. So, yeah. So I love Bijan too this week. Uh, I had none of them last week too. And definitely a terrible spot there. I still think Arthur Smith had, <laughs> doesn't know what he's doing overall, but, you know, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying with last week where it, you know, happenstance made sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what it, that's what it comes down to is, I guess, is like, I think that I think like he, Bijan's not going to be like unowned, but I also think like he probably should be like 40% owned here. Um, but he, he won't be just because it's so easy for people to say, ah, Arthur Smith, like, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing, but like you look at the recent games, like you have that Carolina game where it's just a mess. Um, prior to that, you have the Tampa game um, where he, he had 10 rushes uh, and seven targets. But we, you know, we just talked about how uh, Tampa and Jacksonville, Tampa is one of the, um, that like they get run on, uh, or they're one of the harder run defenses. They're, kind of a pass funnel. Um, and then, you know, you look at the three games prior to that, he had uh, 23 opportunities, 18 rushes and five targets, 22 opportunities, 24 opportunities. So, you know, I got to think that, I got to think that he's going to be pretty heavily involved um, this week. And I think that, you know, you can just take advantage of the field kind of overplaying uh, the, uh, overplaying the Arthur Smith hate, I guess. So a question I have for you then, Heineke, not Ritter. What does that make a difference in, in a, in a positive or a negative for uh, Bijan? I mean, I don't think it makes that huge of a difference. Um, I mean, he started three games uh, Tennessee, Minnesota, Arizona. Um, you know, it's such a small sample. I, I think on the whole, he's kind of a similar uh, quarterback to Ritter. I mean, neither of them is a great quarterback, right? They're both 
semi-serviceable in short stints, but they also, you know, can be, you know, it can go, it can turn sideways pretty quick for both of them. Bijan didn't have like huge games, you know, and but also that was, you know, that Arizona game. Um, that was like Heineke's last start was the first game where Smith kind of saw the light and kind of was really rolling with Bijan. Um, and it's been, he's been very involved other than last week since then. So, um, you know, those two weeks prior to that, uh, were prior to the Falcons by, uh, or those three weeks were prior to the Falcons by, I, I, I don't, I don't think it's overly, I don't, I think Bijan's a, a very, a great play this week, regardless, I guess that's not, you know, making or breaking based on who is uh, the quarterback. So maybe Heineke would help Drake London a little bit more if they have to, if they get behind then they have to pass, but if Indianapolis kind of goes off and early on. Yeah. It'll be interesting because the, um, it'll be interesting because the, there's been so many, like Colts games that have been wild. Like they've just been a part of a lot of like crazy game environments. Um, In a dome too. Yeah. yeah. So it, it'll be interesting how that all plays out. Um, yeah. London, I'm trying to pull up his, uh, he actually, I think he missed, I think he missed a game um, in week 11. Um or no, week or in uh, week nine, he missed the game, uh, but he had uh, two games with Heineke. Uh, well, one was the game that Heineke came in mid-game. Um, didn't really do anything special, but yeah, I mean, either way, I think the Colts are kind of the they're the straw that stirs that drink in that game environment. So we'll see how it plays out. Right. One more quick note on the Bucks Jags. I have Ridley as the bring back. There is angles where you could make ETN the bring back as well as a pass catching running back. He's just a lot more in salary than Ridley. So you'd kind of, I'd have to kind of adjust the team a little more drastically with ETN, but he is somebody worth mentioning, I guess, in your build. If you are going to target that Bucks Jags game, mm -hmm. Ridley is the alpha with the, the way the wide receiver core is, but ETN, maybe they'll, they'll, call upon him a little bit more as a result of the thin wide receiver spot for the team this week. And figured I'd mention him as well in passing as a possible uh, stacking uh, bring back. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of news, a lot, lot going on and got to try to keep your eye on the ball with the, you know, a Saturday slate, all the family stuff people probably got going on. So um, definitely uh, a lot to take in, but yeah, it, it should be fun. Should be a fun uh, three days of football, family, um, and all that. So uh, happy holidays to everyone. Thank you, as always, Maximus, for joining us. Uh, we will see everyone next week for the Week 17 edition of FanDuel Labs. And, yeah, like I said, happy holidays, everyone. Best of luck. See you at the leaderboards, hopefully every day this weekend. Uh, see you at the top of the leaderboards. Uh, remember to like and subscribe, leave some comments, and we will see you next week.
one week season.